0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another great super cool radio interview. I am your host as always Matthew Thomas. Thank you so much for tuning in. Before I start talking about my guest just a quick reminder to thumbs up this video and make sure to subscribe and turn that notification bell that way you don't miss any new interviews or episodes. I got an incredible guest that I am very excited to have on the podcast. He is Andrew Hagar. Recently, he released his latest single, entitled Systematic Minds, and appeared alongside his father, Sammy Hagar, on the Paramount Plus docu-series, Family Legacy. In this interview, we discuss the writing and recording of the new single, Systematic Minds, appearing on Family Legacy, plus so much more. I hope you enjoy this interview, so let's dive in! Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about our merch store on Threadless. Shop a wide variety of logos with multiple colors and sizes available for each design. Your support is greatly appreciated and helps us continue to make killer content like this episode. Please visit supercoolradio.threadless.com or the link in the description to shop now. I got an incredible guest joining me at this time. He recently released a brand new single entitled Systematic Minds, plus appeared alongside his father, Sammy Hagar, on the Paramount Plus series, Family Legacy. Please welcome Andrew Hagar. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> very nice to meet you. Thank you so much for stopping by Super Cool Radio.
1: Absolutely. Nice to meet you as
0: well. So I know we got a ton of great stuff. You've been very busy not only this year, but you know throughout your whole music career, plus uh, some other things I do want to talk about as well. But before we jump into everything i want to start with a fun question yeah what is one album and one movie you recommend everyone check out in their lifetime
1: oh geez um pff, on the spot i mean everybody's tastes are different um something like that i really loved growing up with horror movies one of my favorite horror movies is the thing um i think it does a tremendous job of conveying that old cosmic horror sense of dread so If you like horror movies or you like kind of sci-fi horror and you haven't seen a movie that's quite piqued your interest, you know, check out the thing. It's old. It holds up. Uh, It's got some hilarious moments and some great, genuine, pure terror moments as well. For records, I'm going to go something on the completely opposite end of the spectrum. Um, I'm a big fan of songwriters and songwriting. Um, One of my favorite, like, folkier records of all time is by... they're norwegian uh the kings of convenience and it's a record called declaration of dependence it's full of really great little um emotional hooks and funny puns
0: as well great record those are two answers i was definitely not expecting from you i mean (laughs) that's
1: what you can expect with me is the unexpected (laughs) at all times so
0: (laughs) those are good i've uh now i've 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 watched uh well i haven't seen the whole the thing all the way through but i've seen like parts of it but they definitely get that vibe of like as you said that like they nail it with that bit, with that movie.
1: They do and and the uh the remake/like prequel is pretty decent too. It kind of links to the original film in an interesting way, but I love the original, you know, Kurt Russell and uh it's just yeah, Kurt Russell has a lot of really hilarious one-liners that kind of add a little bit of levity to an otherwise pretty pretty gnarly movie. So
0: yeah. Oh, definitely. And then I I haven't heard of Kings of Convenience, but I'm definitely I'm going to check them out now.
1: Yeah, they're really good. Um, You know, I don't think most people would realize that they're like Norwegian or or Northern European without like doing a little research into it because it's just it sounds like great old school Americana. Just two guys, great harmonies, some really interesting kind of guitar parts. But the the songwriting is very very good, and they have some really witty, clever lyrics. Um, I think they blew up a while back, like maybe ten years ago or something, for a couple like viral singles. Mrs. Cold, 24 plus 25, all these kind of old folkier tunes. But they got some new stuff, too, and they've been around forever. Um, The main dude, Erlandoy, I think he has like three or four other projects. Whitest Boy Alive, people might remember that from the early 2000s and stuff. Uh, Golden Cage, if you were on, uh, God, what was it back then? Pandora, quite a bit. You know, you might have heard that song.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm still surprised it's still around and they're not as prominent as it was but like because like, someone asked me it was like oh is your show on pandora i'm like oh you still use pandora uh, yeah like, the answer is no i don't have it on there but <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised <laughs> that someone actually still used it <laughs> same
1: yeah i didn't even know it was still around to be honest <laughs> yeah.
0: that and like um like i was surprised like napster is still around yeah yeah.
1: Your way you know, especially considering everything that happened with that really high-profile lawsuit and all this stuff, it's
0: kind of wild, man. It is, it is. But I do, uh, I do want to talk about you, guys. I said I got a lot of, a lot of cool stuff going on yeah. for you right now. But before we kind of dive into the new single "Systematic Minds," so you are a uh, you know, second-generation musician, as I kind of covered in my intro. When did you know you wanted to pursue music like full-time? Um,
1: I mean, I always loved music. I started playing music in various capacities when I was a kid, but I never really uh, got serious about it until, I mean, 2012, I started playing around with a couple friends, started like a little two-man punk project with a rotating cast of bass players. Um, and that was fun, but I didn't really seriously start songwriting until maybe about 2016. And that's the same year that I ended up uh, doing a lot of touring. And subsequently, pretty much every year after that, until the pandemic started, I was touring consistently, playing about 100 shows a year, if not more. And uh, a lot of them were just smaller, you know, whatever open mic nights, whatever I could get just to um, just get more and more experience. I felt like I was coming into the game a little bit later. And even though I had a lot of experience as a writer, um, I didn't have a lot of experience as a performer. So I just wanted to get more comfortable on stage and make sure that I could make the most of the opportunities I was getting,
0: you know. <laughs> no, I, I completely understand. Do you think there was like a, a learning curve with like becoming, you know, not transitioning from a writer to becoming a performer and a writer? There
1: was definitely a learning curve just like anything else, but I think um I had a lot of really unique experience that made it a little bit easier to transition. Um Growing up, I did a lot of, well, I was forced through my school to do a lot of plays. Um, and so, I, I mean, even from when I was like seven or eight years old onwards, I was doing three or four plays a year in front of big audiences. And then um, when I was competing in like Muay Thai kickboxing and grappling, I was like fighting in front of you know hundreds of people. Um, and that's a completely different experience. But a lot of the stuff that you learn from that is transferable one-to-one when you start performing, you know, getting ready to like perform at your highest capacity or as close as you can get on the day in that moment. Um, I think those are some really interesting kind of skill transferences that maybe not a lot of people would be aware of.
0: Well, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Plus like the, uh, the discipline as well, that goes along with like any kind of mixed martial arts, you have to be disciplined, yeah. uh, not, only, not only just like mentally, but also with the skills as well.
1: Totally. And I mean, um, You know, we're getting in there and rehearsing and doing all this stuff in preparation for a show is very similar mentality wise in training for a fight. You know, you just want to get. As prepared as you can, so you don't have to think about it in the moment. You can just do it because you don't have time to think. I mean, obviously, your show is a little bit different. You do have time to sit there and kind of listen to the crowd and you know do all that stuff. No one's trying to rip your head off, thank God. <laughs> but like, you know, <laughs> generally speaking, <laughs> but,
0: uh, for for, yeah. for the most part, hopefully that doesn't that doesn't happen.
1: Right? Depends where you're at and what you're saying on stage. You know what I mean? So yeah,
0: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> no, yeah, I know for sure, but um. For you, since kind of going, you know, as you said, kind of starting full-time 2016, uh, what was, like, the best advice your father gave you?
1: Oh, man, just to uh, to work really extremely hard and lower your expectations. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I
0: mean, it's not wrong. That is,
1: no. You know, people say, it's like, 10 years to an overnight success. So, you
0: know, I'm almost there. <laughs> No, I feel I feel you on that. It's kind of funny, like when I started this like endeavor, is like you know, you always have like your high expectations of like, oh, I want to do this and do this and do that. And then you like look and then you look at it and go, you know what? Maybe I'll just start with baby steps. Just let mix let's see if I can do this first, and then I can branch out more. Um, it's the little victories, you know, stack a lot of little victories and it's
1: a big one. So <laughs>
0: No, yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, for you now, before we talk about the new single Systematic Minds, obviously, you know, Andrew Hagar, your last name is Hagar. Do you feel like any pressure because of your last name?
1: I did for a while. Um, I didn't actually start releasing music under my own name uh, until maybe just a couple years ago. I had a lot of different projects, uh, different title projects that I released music under, EPs under before I was comfortable enough to release stuff under my own name just because, yeah, it's like, it's not my expectation, but there are a lot of other people out there who want something when they hear the name, there's a lot of people that instantly are like revolted by me before they even hear anything or know anything about me because of the name. So, you know, expectation plays a huge factor in that. And I just wanted to make sure that I had matured as an artist and as a songwriter, before I started putting stuff out under my own name. But at this point in time, like, you know, at my age and the amount of life that I've lived, I really could care less what someone's, ex- you know, what, what someone's expectation is of me. If they like the music, that's fantastic. If they don't, that's fantastic. But if you come on, you know, my social media or my DMs and start talking a bunch of shit, that's a different story. <laughs> Which,
0: unfortunately, that no,
1: no, no. does happen a lot. So.
0: Yeah. You know. Um. I, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about that part, unfortunately. But come on. Man. Uh. But but yeah. I mean, there there is there's expectations for like almost for everyone. Like for anyone anyone meets, they have expectations yeah. of how someone's gonna act or be. And especially you know you know with with the with who your father is, people already have like expectations just based off of like him and not yourself. Totally.
1: Totally. But you know, I mean, like that that just that comes with the territory. It's a, it's a blessing, you know, ultimately, because I I do get. Some more eyeballs than someone, you know, at my level of uh, experience in the music industry would get, and I've gotten some opportunities just based off his name that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. So I'm really thankful for it, you know. And like with anything else in life, you get the positives and the negatives, so you just got to deal with it, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, Dad, all you got, you just got to roll with it. You know? there I do think there are bound like, you know, people y'all you know, talking shit to you like on social media, obviously. I don't think it really bothers you too much, you know, cause obviously there's that boundary, but it still could, you know, you know, get to, get to some people and, you know, yourself as well. But yeah. I, 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 unfortunately it's a fortunate part of like any curator that, yeah. uh, there's people like that.
1: Oh yeah. And it's funny to me. I'm just like, man, like you could sit there and get worked up about some stranger on the internet, you know, trying to get crazy with you or whatever, but I just feel sorry. In in a way, for some of these people, because it's like you just don't have anything else going on in your life. You spend so much time and emotional energy picking fights with strangers on the Internet. It's like, what does that say about you and your life and how you allocate your time? You know what I mean? Like, get a hobby, man. (laughs) Like, touch some grass. You know, it's all good. (laughs) So.
0: <laughs> right, exactly that's kind of how i feel like like luckily i've been lucky i haven't had you know many people like that you know to try to do that to me but i always <laughs> think it's like you could put your time to something else or you could write a song or create a podcast like you know you can do you can create as well
1: wouldn't that be something you know what i mean then you can have other people come on and uh and talk shit to you but you know what i mean like yeah <laughs> well i see that sometimes like uh i usually don't respond to haters unless they comment like You know, if they come with an actual valid, constructive criticism, I appreciate that. And I'm like, okay, well, you took the time to put together a well thought out, well articulated argument. And sure, I'll respond to that. But, you know, 90% of the time, it's not that. And to those kinds of people, I would just be like, oh, cool, you're criticizing me for my song. Let's hear your song. What does your song sound like? You know, but they don't have any songs. So there you go.
0: <laughs> exactly. No. I and I'm I'm the same way with that. If it's something constructive, if someone's like, "Hey, maybe you should try this," or maybe you know, you're doing this, it looks a little weird. Maybe you should try this, or you know, whatever. Yeah. I have no problem with that. Now, if someone just says like you suck" or just you know sends a poop emoji, you know, there's yeah. nothing. There's no conversation that's, that no. they're gonna have.
1: Like, what are we doing here, guy? You know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> All right. So I want to dive in to the brand new single, "Sis Man Minds, just released recently. Uh, so for you, like, how was it writing recording this single? Because it's a little bit different, uh, at least mm-hmm. from what I've listened to compared to some of your previous work. It's got a little bit of a different vibe to it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, this is the very first song that my friend Trev Lukather and I co-wrote together. Um, we did it back in... December of 2020 so we've been sitting on it for a little while and um all of the stuff that I've released so far you know was was co-written and produced by Trev Lukather and so they all occupied kind of the same space when it comes to the body of work but this being the first thing we worked on I think it's closer in tone to what I was doing immediately before which is you know I, I released uh an EP I think back in early 2019 or late 2018 um That was under the project title SOS, and it was more of like psychedelic folk rock. And so this is kind of closer to that. And I had built out kind of a second EP for that and started to turn it into a little more of like an indie rock kind of thing. And had, you know, a large number of songs that I was working with. I was talking to some labels. I had some release stuff scheduled for 2020. And then, you know, that got the big kibosh, you know? So (laughs) Uh, I know, I feel (laughs) you. yeah it was tough but you know i'm glad that trev and i ended up working together on this stuff because it allowed me to kind of flex my creative muscle in a different way because previous to that i i had pretty much only just written by myself or or with another kind of like more folk style like songwriting partner or something so this was really cool because trev is such a great producer and such a fantastic guitar player um him you know creating a lot of the music creating like a a little demo uh like instrumental bed for me to kind of you know write over and work with it allowed me to do things that i couldn't do on my own just writing with an acoustic guitar in my bedroom you know so in that sense it was really really fun as a creative exercise for me because i'm always trying to expand my creative horizons and you know write with different people like i did a lot of work writing um for other artists for sync and stuff as well, like as a ghostwriter, writing lyrics and whatnot. And that's really fun. This was a, a different thing though, because I was writing for myself. So I really enjoy writing with other people as long as, um, you know, everybody's gelling together, which of course, Trev and I have known each other for like, you know, over 10 years. He's one of my best friends. So it was a really, really fun process.
0: Well, I'm, I'm really glad to hear the process was very enjoyable for you. Do you think it was. Um like different uh, compared like that writing process writing with um Trev, do you think that was different compared to like some of the other songs you've written?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, like I said, I, I primarily write most of the stuff, you know, by myself, like whatever on the couch in the bedroom, like whatever, just me and an acoustic guitar. And um when it comes time to, you know, produce the songs, you know, I gotta kinda figure out, okay, how do I want this to sound? What's the vibe? And I I self produced most of the stuff before. Had some of my friends come in and play on it. And, you know, we were able to produce some pretty high quality stuff. But working with Trev, he's got such a different mind for production, coming from the background that he does and having the musical pedigree of, you know, Steve Lukather and Toto and all of his really, Trev's got a a really great ear for like anthemic kind of pop influenced rock songs. So that's reflected on a lot of these songs, even though I was kind of pushing it in, A grittier direction like i always wanted it to be raw you know like more raw and closer to you know whatever like 90s alternative or grunge or something you know really like the majority of the music i listen to is like you know garage or like heavy psych i grew up listening to like a lot of punk and hardcore and you know i love industrial metal it's like so finding a happy medium between all those things you know when i'm writing with someone like trev is really fun. It's a great exercise, you know, because it's difficult for me to do a lot of that stuff just on my own, especially if I'm the guy that's in there, you know, playing everything. Like on a lot of my previous EPs, I played most of the stuff myself. I had my buddy come in and lay down drums and another buddy come in and put some lead guitar down. But, you know, for the most part, I'm just building out the tracks and it's really, really difficult for someone that's not like a, you know, incredible classically trained musician, because I got started a little later than most people. So, you know. Yeah.
0: You no, know, for sure. Especially having someone else to kind of like bounce ideas off just to build the song better. Like, you can only come up with as many ideas as you can come up with. So it's yeah, kind of easier yeah. when you have someone else to kind of, you know, flush those ideas out even more.
1: Totally. And Trev's a great soundboard for all this stuff. Like, we were going back and forth on a lot of different ideas. And yeah, I'm looking forward to releasing um, the first of two EPs, I think, in June. And I haven't announced the date yet, but, you know, people are going to get to see a little bit bigger body of work with this stuff and kind of get a vibe for the sound. And I think um, people are really going to enjoy this stuff based on the reaction to everything that i put out so far.
0: I've definitely been enjoying it, especially like Systematic Minds, actually one of my favorite songs, but because it has like that grunge feel to it. But yeah, also yeah. there's like, I can pick up like kind of like Americana, like a modernized Americana feel to it as well. and yeah, uh, And just some good old rock and roll thrown in there as well. <laughs>
1: Yup. You know, some, some big old Def Leppard sounding drums and stuff. And, you know, yeah. But yeah, I'm glad that you picked up on like the kind of more Americana influence because as a songwriter, that's pretty much, you know, what I do by default, you know, it's a much more down home, folky rootsy kind of thing, you know, just trying to express my innermost emotions. I'm not writing for, you know, like when I was writing for sync, it's like, you gotta, you got a literal, you know, couple lanes you got to stay in, based on the sync brief, you know, like, oh, we're writing for XYZ show, you know, they don't give you the name, but they give you a general ballpark and the vibe they want and what they want it to convey and kind of the scene they're thinking of and all this stuff, very specific. And so you're writing like in a box, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's hard to write personally when you're writing in a box and have it be relatable to everyone else. That's a skill like you really have to work hard to develop. And I was definitely in the midst of that development, you know, when everything kind of came crashing down around us. So yeah.
0: yeah, for sure. No, definitely when you have those kind of more constraints you know it's it's harder to you know, you know, to make your own personal touch to it when you have to fit in, as you said, kind of stay in those few lanes that you have. Yeah. But now like doing your own kind of stuff, you have way more freedom to go really any direction that you that that's really uh, that you're really feeling. Yeah, totally. So, you did talk about, uh, so you work on some EPs as well. They're gonna be releasing, as you said, in June. Can you give any kind of hints, like musically, lyrically, like what c- people can expect from your new music?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if people listen to Red Light Appetite, you know, Systematic Minds, Leave It Alone, if you wanna, like, it's it's in that general ballpark. Like, the EP will have a couple songs that people have already heard. It's gonna have, you know, kind of as the anchor, a big, bombastic kind of rock and roll song like similar to red light appetite and then there's going to be more of a mid-tempo not a ballad but something that's uh a little more personal that people can sink their teeth into like uh systematic minds so that's really cool and then the second ep is going to have some very different stuff on it like a couple songs that are more you know closer in tone to what I've already done, but a couple of things that are just really outside the box experimentation, which are really, really fun. So, yeah, I can't wait. I mean, Trev and I did a whole record together and just the way that the marketplace is right now, rather than releasing a full record without, you know, the requisite capital expenditure, all this, you know, it's tough releasing music in the music industry uh, if you don't have a label or like an independent investor to really kind of juice things up it's hard to get the eyeballs and kind of break through all the rest of the noise. I mean, there's what they say, like, I think it's 10,000 or even maybe a hundred thousand songs released every day on Spotify. You know what I mean? So for somebody that doesn't have hundred thousand dollars to drop on digital ad spend and stuff, it's difficult, but doing an EP, there's like less risk and you're giving people who actually do listen to your music a little bit more substantial, piece to kind of get invested in so i think we're going to do two eps instead of a full-length record that might make more sense
0: yeah i I totally agree especially with the with the marketplace and the way it is like you know ep singles or you know what kind of people you know what's kind of been people been leaning towards uh obviously like spotify like i think the ceo said that like people should just be putting out singles or something like that I, i forget what he exactly what he said with that but I mean I'm an album album guy I love albums and uh that's you know I have a whole cd collection that people call me uh archaic for having I'm like oh well you know I can still enjoy them
1: (laughs) yeah same I mean I got a big collection of vinyl and I'm like very old school I love to sit down and listen to a full record and get immersed I love it when people do concept records you know and they get really invested in this This idea, like I think, that's really interesting, and I would love it if more mainstream artists would try to do stuff like that these days, and kind of open up a lot of newer music fans' eyes to kind of what's possible with music as a as a creative expression. You
0: know, I, I totally agree. I know we can cover cover a lot with that, and I you know, there's a lot of avenues with that. I the only thing I will say is that. Or like someone will release a bunch a bunch of singles and then they'll like put it all together for an album. I'd be like, well, I just heard all of them. Like, what I, yep. you know? It's kind of different for me if I like hear a bunch of singles and they're just on an album, like all of them. I like, it kind of ruins the experience a little bit for me because I want to enjoy the album from like start to finish, not oh, I heard this song before, I heard this song before, kind of thing. But I understand again as we talk about with the way the market is, yeah. why people do that.
1: It's it's tricky, you know. But plus, like if you are making things pretty much solely for a streaming platform i mean that's that's the only way to do it you're releasing good songs and singles to kind of anchor the ep or the album in some cases and yeah it's like well you've already heard five or six of the 10 to 12 tracks you know so what are you just gonna skip those guys you know when they come on if you're listening to the record but i don't know i mean it it i would be interested to see how many people are actually consuming like a full length record in one sitting as opposed to just listening to the songs they like because if you look at the numbers, like generally on a record, you'll see every song you're losing people, and then by the by the end of the record, if you don't have one of the big singles that's already released at the end of the record, it's just a just straight downward slope. You know, you're you're not capturing people's attention, which is a bummer. Because a lot of times people put some of the best songs, like that I like in terms of deep cuts, are somewhere weird, like on a ten song record around wrong song seven or eight and you're like okay well if you just fell off you're missing some of the best stuff
0: you know oh exactly i know and again there's you know a lot going on you know, obviously society's been changing with that but yeah. uh as as we kind of talked about with everything but yeah it, it does you can see it but i'm curious because i know vinyl has been outselling cds lately i'd be curious mm-hmm. like are people just I, I would assume i i hope that if people buy the vinyl that they're listening to it, they're not just buying it to buy it. I would hope that they're consuming it. So I would be curious, like, going from my listening on Spotify to people listening on vinyl and and have Spotify, like, what are they listening to the most?
1: Yeah, I'd be curious to see what, like, a a big uh, big vinyl person is listening to on Spotify and what their listening habits are, for sure. I would love to see that information. I used to do, like, data analytics and marketing for a while uh, right out of college, so I – I love all this stuff. Like on the back end, like I pay very close attention to all of my analytical data, and I wish that it was easier to get some of the more important stuff because that would help me a lot. But um, you know, Facebook and Meta, uh, Instagram—they don't make it very easy to get the meaningful data. No, <laughs> no, they, don't. No, they yeah. don't. It's really obtuse. It's it's hidden behind so many different little pages, and you have to go looking for. You know, in a million different places for stuff that should be all together, if you ask me. But that's a UI problem. That's, you know, that's not something
0: I'd fucking pay attention to. <laughs> so I, <don't> know. <laughs> I know. I feel else.
1: You know what I mean? Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I, I feel you I feel on that. Uh, I do that a few times I do want to cover. I will tell you a funny story real quick about Facebook. I yeah, got yeah. a, um, you know, they give like notifications, like, you know, for my business page. Like, if you spend, you know, this amount of money, you can reach this amount of people. The one notification I got a few weeks ago, it said spend $10 to reach six more people. And I was like, man, that's a deal of a century.
1: Great conversion there guys. (laughs) Like what the fuck? I hate that. One of my biggest issues with, you know, the whole boosting thing on Instagram and Facebook or any meta platform really is like, since they started monetizing that stuff, you don't even get your natural engagement on posts anymore. You might like say I have 22,000 real followers on Instagram. If I post something about my music, less than 5% of my followers actually see what I'm posting. And if there's like a conversion in there, if I'm trying to get people to link off platform, to go to some place like Spotify, you're fucked. Nobody's seen it. And then they make you pay to get your normal natural engagement. And it just... I mean, I understand what they're doing, you know, they gotta they gotta make money on ad revenue and whatnot, but that that shit just kills me. I'm like, what what can you do as an independent artist to really get in front of the people who who want to see you, they wanna hear you. You know, they've they've followed you, they've done all this stuff, they share your posts and everything, but like ninety percent of your fans aren't even seeing shit these days. It's very frustrating.
0: Oh, it definitely is, and you know, As another independent creator as well, I'm I'm not with anybody, you know, and I have to do everything myself, you know, with the social media and all that stuff. It is very frustrating because, like, you see how many people follow your page and you see how many people see a post. And I get people message me, like, hey, are you still doing stuff? Do you still have a podcast? And I'm like, (laughs) I've been trying to tell people just, like, just just subscribe subscribe to me on, like, YouTube or Spotify or something. Just, like, then you get notified. Like, they're actually good. Like, those platforms are very good with if I drop a new episode or if you drop a new song. They let yeah. people know if you follow, you know, the Spotify or YouTube page. That's true. That's
1: true. But yeah, there's there's got to be a better way on on. I mean, I guess you know, people tell me, oh, there's a like one to one conversion on TikTok and all this stuff. But like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just brain dead when it comes to this stuff. But I have not been able to get TikTok working for
0: me. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I feel I, I feel you on that. But <laughs> uh, before we, we fall up. down a rabbit hole of all that, yeah, yeah
1: true, true, true. Let's keep it on track.
0: yeah uh i did want to talk about so as i said you're you were part of the paramount plus docuseries family legacy Mm -hmm. uh how was that experience
1: it was fun man um a good friend of mine stormer from access tv formerly he uh put glass entertainment the production team that did the show in touch with me and i've been offered a lot of you know reality adjacent stuff over the years and i really don't enjoy those kinds of things so i was very reluctant to sign on to this, but, um, the pitch was good. And they were, you know, saying they wanted to essentially put the spotlight on a lot of issues that I like to talk about mental health stuff, you know, the idea of overcoming the shadow when it comes to legacy and all these things. So, you know, I jumped at the opportunity to to get involved and they licensed some of my music and a music video for the show red light appetite, which was fantastic. Um, and we did like seven hours of interviews. Uh, one of those hours was spent with my dad and, you know, talked about a lot of really interesting stuff. And then uh, a small portion of the interview was watching some archival footage from MTV. And so I'm like, oh, this is funny. You know, they had me like roast my dad's 90s outfits and stuff. That was entertaining. But yeah, and then the show came out. And originally, I think it was supposed to be a longer series. And then in the 11th hour, they squashed it down to like five episodes and combined everybody into, you know, two people per episode and all this stuff. And I mean, like I watched my episode and it was funny. They did a good job of like bringing some levity to it after, you know, Draven's story, which is, is heartbreaking. And he's such a sweet kid, you know, but um yeah, I wasn't super stoked that they didn't really talk about much of the more important things we spoke about in the interview. Most of it was just, the MTV stuff. So, you know, it was a fun experience to be a part of, but I, I kind of wish they would have got into more of the nitty-gritty aspects of what it was like growing up in this crazy life, you know? But, oh, well, there's always another show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good, it's a good outlook on I mean, Obviously, you don't have any control of, like, how people you will know, produce or put together a show, unfortunately, especially if there was, you know, a, you know episode cuts. You know, it it happens as you're very much aware of.
1: For sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm grateful that, that I was given the opportunity to do that. And like I said, you know, got a little bump on social media, got a little bump in streams. Like, it's, it's nice to just have a little extra traction. So, and hopefully people watch it and become interested. You know, I mean, Paramount Plus has got something like 84 million subs. So, you know, if even 1% of those people see my stuff, that's, that's great.
0: Oh, you exactly. had, had a great mindset uh, of it, um, but yeah, no, I suddenly you had a great experience with it. I, I I would be curious, like you said, you did seven hours of interviews for it. I'm yeah. curious, like, you know, they probably didn't use, obviously they didn't use all of that. So I'm curious, like, you know, where is that? You know, who has
1: it? <laughs> Vi- Viacom probably has that footage, and if I ever say anything negative, there's going to be little videos popping up for someone. Who knows? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, <laughs> we won't we won't
0: go that far. <laughs> yeah, I'm just
1: messing around. But I I would like to see, um, perhaps later on, if they do like I don't know a second season or they do like a director's cut thing or something or outtakes. I would love to see some of the other footage because there are some really interesting stuff that we talked about in the interviews. Um, and it was just disappointing that they didn't include some of the some of the headier stuff. But then again, not everybody's interested in that. Some people just want a nice little fun quick you know puff piece let's watch some uh some vma stuff and and that's that you know that's fine i get that
0: yeah no for for sure for sure but you know but at the end of the day you did get as you said a bump with you know the exposure and stuff so i'm I'm glad you had a good experience with that and also you hopefully widen your audience as well exactly so i did there's one more thing i did want to cover and yeah. then we're wrapping this up uh i heard that you were a guest dj on sirius xm's ozzy's boneyard uh how was that experience and like how did you like how'd you get selected for that like how'd that come out how'd that come about um, i should say my friend
1: tommy london who's another uh dj and musician on sirius he just hit me up one day and asked if i wanted to be a guest dj i guess he saw what was going on with the mtv thing and um had heard through the grapevine that i'm like a huge old school metal head and uh it was fun man i mean they had me do i do a lot of voice acting work on the side uh commercial voice acting stuff so i have my setup here i just recorded you know some intros and little tidbits and stories about the songs that i selected and sent it into them and same thing they started spinning red light appetite on sirius and really just really happy to be a part of that it's really cool i love you know i love ozzy i loved black sabbath growing up and like it's just a huge honor to be involved in something like that you know as fun or silly as it was
0: i oh, don't know for for sure for sure especially obviously sirius xm huge you know huge amount you know of listeners and uh, people who check out their the channels and everything so glad you had a, another great experience with that now yeah. so did you get to pick like some of the songs or like you know, how how would that go
1: yeah, they, they asked me to pick five, you know, like classic metal songs or classic hard rock songs. Um, and I tried to pick, you know, a, a song from the different generations of metal starting all the way back with like, you know, black Sabbath, like the wizard, um, and some, some newer stuff that I grew up listening to, not like newer, but newer in terms of the scope of classic metal, like tornado of souls by Megadeth. Uh, I used to watch a lot of, you know, skate videos growing up and stuff. And I picked, uh, Grim Reaper, See You in Hell, because of a hilarious CKY video I watched. You know, big Judas Priest fan, had to put them on there as well. Like, yeah, and then anchoring it all was uh, Red Light Appetite, which is, I guess, one of the more, like, metal or hard rock adjacent songs off the record, you know. Leave It Alone is pretty heavy, too, but I thought Red Light Appetite's probably
0: a little more palatable to people, so. That's a extremely solid list. <laughs> yeah, no, like, no, like, if you... Like if you think of like like classic metal bands, like yeah. you hit a lot of those. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, like I said,
1: I'm usually. I also had to put uh, something off of Killers on there. Iron Maiden's one of my favorite like old school metal bands, and I I love Killers. I love the the first lead singer's tone. It's like so much more raw and gritty. I love Bruce Dickinson. Incredible vocalist, incredible performer. You know, and the fact that the man's a commercial airline pilot is pretty cool too. But uh, for my money, Killers is one of the best records they've put out. You know, maybe call me an old head, but that's just how I feel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I got you. No, I got, I have, um, you know, obviously Bruce Kingston had like, the more the range, you know, yeah. from the high to low range. But yeah, no, the the first one, they definitely hit more more grit in his voice, for sure. Yeah. But I definitely wanted to, I saw that in the press release. I was like, I got to talk about because I, I, I don't, unfortunately, I don't have access to XM most days. Oh, no. Unless... Unless I borrow my mom's car, which gotcha. I make, I, sometimes I have to do things because um, she hasn't, and my car's an 03. Obviously, it doesn't have it. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, but if I ever had to borrow a car, I always put on, like, it's either that like Ozzy's Boneyard or like Liquid Metal or Turbo usually my go-tos for Sirius Yeah, XM.
1: That's awesome. I mean, you can also listen to it anytime uh, on the SiriusXM app just by looking up the uh, Ultimate Center, Ultimate Center playlist, and you'll see... Probably my big smiling mug, or a picture of me looking totally crazy on stage, where you can't even see my face because of my hair. So,
0: <laughs> I didn't know that. I'm I'm gonna keep that in mind now.
1: <laughs> it's all like bundled up here, but there's there's a lot in there. I just have to it back because man, it's just too much. Can't see shit. <laughs> <laughs> <Like this.
0: laughs> Was that you? No, it's oh, okay. <laughs> Do you have the same curly hair though?
1: Yes. Arguably, mine is even crazier. So, because I got I got a little more Sicilian in me than he does, I think.
0: <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right. Well. I think we hit all the high points here. <laughs> absolutely.
1: And probably some low points, too. It's all good.
0: <laughs> so I just got one more thing before we wrap up this interview. So obviously, we kind of talked about what your upcoming plans are for this year. But what else do you have in the works for 2023? And have you thought about like what 2024 is going to hold for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, like I said, we got the first EP coming out in June. And then the second EP will come out at an unannounced later date. Um, I have some shows, a smattering of shows in the summer. I got uh, a little bit more substantial stuff going on in the fall. And then next year, we have a lot more touring planned and, you know, maybe a full-length record. We'll see.
0: <laughs> I, I like what I'm here. Well, hey, I, I love to see you live sometimes, so I do yeah. hope, uh, hope that touring does happen. Please, where are you, at?
1: Where, uh, where are you uh, at?
0: Based out of South Bend, Indiana, that's where I live. Oh.
1: Awesome. Okay. Well, we'll be back in Indiana. We've done some touring out there in Indiana and Idaho before, too. So,
0: yeah. I it. It. <laughs> hey, if, if you're in the area, man, I definitely want to see you live.
1: Awesome. Hell yeah.
0: <laughs> but, Andrew, thanks so much for hanging out with me here on Super Cool Radio. Awesome time chatting with you. Uh, I'll leave some links uh, for everything you got going on in the description of this podcast as well. But thank you so much for hanging out with
1: me. Absolutely I had a great time. Thanks a lot, Matthew. I really appreciate you, man.
0: <laughs> of course, for Andrew Hangar, I'm your host as always, Matthew Thomas. Thank you so much for watching and listen to the Super Cool Radio. And remember, stay frosty.